0: Welcome to the Rediscovering Your Creative Self podcast, where you get a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation for your creative practice. Finding your rhythm. Each of us has a rhythmic flow in which we work creatively and as we live our lives. Each person, each creative being adds to the overall musical orchestration that we call life. So as artists, we need to discover what is our rhythm? What is the way that we flow in harmony with our creative process that interconnects with our life, that interconnects with the world as a whole? It sounds like a very grand question, but actually, Sometimes the things that seem most profound are actually the simplest things in life. Our rhythm is something that we know we are in tuned with our work because we feel a certain way about the way we move through our work. Let me kind of explain what I mean by that. When we are first taught art, there's procedures or processes that have been time-tested, that we all learn, and we all feel that, uh, you know, much like when we're in school as a young child, it's uh, this is the way we do things because it seems to have worked for the general masses to some degree, but that at some point everybody kind of moves and finds their way. But with art, it's a little bit different. I think you, the more you put off that aspect of finding your way or finding your rhythm, the more you're uh, connected to a more homo- homogenous, in other words, a more uh, collective, um, very particular kind of work that everybody is creating versus a work that's more signature or individualistic to you. So that's what we're talking about is our ability to recognize and break away from the traditional norms, the, 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 the set, you know, set patterns that um, social uh, norms or the artistic norms that are set for us and finding our own way. So, you know, if we're talking about art and our way of working is, okay, you do the drawing or you do this or you do this first or that second and this next, we start to see how does our brain want to do things? How do we naturally want to do things and feel? We can color her outside the lines. And I know that sounds very basic. But it's 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 true. One of the things that they say with children is never, never, ever give them coloring books. Always give them plain paper and utensils, whether it's drawing materials or painting materials, just to create. Because you don't need to be constricted to somebody else's boundaries. You don't need to be constricted to somebody else's lines. You know, when you look at artists who've really paved the way for more interesting or experimental kinds of works, they had a tendency not to color in the lines. And, you know, some of the artists um, didn't kind of step into that vein because they were just pure rebellious. They stepped into that vein because of necessity. And let me give you one example of that. Um, One artist who I absolutely love his work, had the um, real luxury and honor to profile him in Communication Arts Magazine's Illustration Annual when he was still living. And he had a major show at the Met on his combines, Robert Rauschenberg. And one of the things that, you know, uh, Robert was talking about uh, when he was talking about his work, and of course, I think when you know, because he showed up in a wheelchair, I think he knew that he had limited time left. He started to talk, um, you know, really plainly and simply about what his work was about. And, you know, when they talked about how innovative he was and how, you know, doing something completely different, like taking his piece of art called bed, he took a bed sheet, I think it was like a quilt and a pillow, and he, he put that in the art and he added paint and things like that. And they said, "Oh, he was exploring his world." And and when they asked Robert, and Robert just said, "I was poor. These are the things that I had." Actually, I think he ripped off the quilt from the laundry room, so it was technically somebody else's quilt. And the junk that he added in his work from the streets of New York City, you know, the the the, the animal heads and all his other different kinds of things, the detritus that he added to his work is because he found those materials in the city and he didn't have to pay for them. He found them in the trash. So he was adding things to his work based upon the necessity that he was limited. So sometimes, you know, what's amazing, limitations can actually increase our creativity because when we're unlimited, okay, and we can do almost anything, we're going to rely on our safety zones, right? We're going to rely on our ability to, well, I I can do this, you know, I, I know this, because I can keep doing it. It's not till something drastically changes in our life that we open a new door, right? And those new doors, I think, are required for us to grow, for us to find our own unique rhythms. To really know who we are is to be challenged. To really know who we are is to try things a little bit differently and maybe give in. I always say give in to what that instinct is saying to you inside. You know, sometimes I'm working on a piece and I go, I just want to do this. And But then there's another part of my brain sometimes that says, but you know, if you do it this way, it's going to look good and you're going to know what's going to happen and it's going to be a good piece in the end. And there's this little voice that says, but I want to do it this way. And I think sometimes we have to give in to that little voice. We have to take a chance. We talked about mistakes before. I have to take a chance of making mistakes, but that's our way of discovering new things. It's our way. Those little decisions that we make is a way that we find our rhythm. We find the soundtrack to our creative soul. And, you know, one of the things about uh, that I absolutely love and um, continue to love about Robert Rauschenberg's work is he not only started to combine these paintings with relief to sometimes full relief to interactive elements in his work, he actually had to come up with a new name. Because they said, Robert, are these paintings? Are these sculptures? You know, and he thought of Alexander Calder's work, and he had come up with his own name, Calder did, for his work. And so Rauschenberg said, well, I'm going to come up with my own name. Because see, the human brain can't visualize something until it has a name and it sees something that it relates to that name so he came up with the word combines so in his journey of finding his rhythm finding the the beat of his creative soul was kind of based on necessities and instinct you know well this is cool i love this texture of this thing that I just found in the garbage. Maybe I could use that in my work somehow. Maybe that can be the subject of the work. And he explored that. So as you're in keeping in tune, okay, we've got a musical analogies going on here. When you're keeping in tune with your creative spirit within, listen to those little urges those little sparks, those little things that tell you really feel like doing this. But then, you know, you've got that trained universal left side of your brain that says, well, you know, that's breaking the rules. That's going against this. And sometimes you make choices uh, about, you know, which way you go. and. I think if you're actually listening to this podcast, you have some kind of um, affinity for or um, tendencies to being a little more experimental in your work by nature. Okay. A little rebellious, maybe, or just wanting to have an element of your work where you're still engaged and you're still inspired because every work creates something, or every time that you work at something creates the possibility of learning new things and seeing something different that you didn't see before in your work versus maybe a practice that is more of a repetitive practice. Both are very outstanding virtues. They both are very outstanding virtues. It is just my own personal views or my own personal interests as that I like to pursue the one that's more unexpected. Maybe it's because I get bored very easily or maybe because I like to be challenged and see how I've always loved puzzles. I've always liked to be a problem solver and solving things. So I choose that, but I respect the discipline of the other, very much so actually. And so, you know, if you ask me what artists I love, I love anything between Waterhouse and Rauschenberg. And if you know both of those artists work, that's a large variety of mark making, storytelling, um, process, uh, you name it, right? So when we talk about finding our rhythm, we're talking about that unique set of notes that we contribute to the world. It's not a, a dict- re of somebody else's notes, you know? It looks like this. It looks like you, okay? That's what we're always trying to find. So when you're also thinking about rhythm, you ask yourself, what are the processes that I tend to be drawn to more than others. I love the brush. I love fluid paint. I love texture. I could create the same work that I do, and they'd have some visual differences, but I could create a quality work, and I could do it in colored pencils. But colored pencils limits me too much, too much with a point, too much work with a point. Even if I use the, you know, the 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 Prismacolor or whatever brand you like sticks where I can do things on the edge, I'm still limited to the white of a surface or the color of a surface coming through. It gives me a uniform kind of texture. I can vary it slightly by... um you know, adding some solvents to the colored pencil to kind of blend it a little bit. But then what I'm doing is trying to get, is doing a lot more work to get a very similar look that I could do so much more easier just with paint and brush. So you ask yourself, what are the kind of tools that I like? What are the, um, you know, kinds of Paints, do I like? Do I like more watercolor or, you know, watercolor acrylics or acrylics or oils or a combination somehow thereof? As we need to move through those different um, mediums to see where our voices, where our rhythms are, where do we connect? You know, where we feel that we are in flow and we're in flow, we just feel like we can keep working and we're lost in the work. That is something you write down in your journal and you say, this worked for me today. And this is why I think why. I think too often we as artists go through our work and then finish and then we go on with our day or night or whatever it is. And we forget because our work is so, our life is so busy. We forget the aha moment of saying to ourselves, what I love about today. What was good about today's work or today's process when I was working? And how can I have more days like this? Those are questions that you can ask yourself that help you to create a flow, to create a flow where you are in tuned and you are reunited, and everything seems easy. It's kind of like riding the wave versus you know fighting that wave. And I think if any of you've ever gone to the beach where you've got kind of really high waves and you know you try to uh go against it, that wave will knock you down. Even if you're taller than the wave, it will knock you down. You find yourself just thrown about under the water. Uh it's a it's a little scary. Uh, but it's a crazy kind of thing, and that's when you're not in tuned. That's when things are very chaotic. Okay, so we're multidimensional as artists. We're doing many different things at once. We're learning different techniques, and then we'll have our struggles through that, and then we'll find moments which things flow. And so, the more you know about yourself. The more you know about your process, you know, more you know about creating an atmosphere and conditions that make your working process more successful for you in terms of the way you emotionally feel in terms of connection to the work that you're doing. Those things are so important and we have to write them down because when you write things down, you bring it to a conscious level. Then you can look back at all these notations you're making about yourself and analyze that and go, oh my goodness, I just discovered something. It's like you become your own analyst, right? So flow, finding your flow, finding your pace, finding those conditions, finding where your work becomes a part of the musical orchestration that is everybody. Okay. That is everything that is connected. So I leave you with this is as you work, keep something next to your, if you work on the computer next to your computer or next to your easel and next to your drawing table, just a piece of paper. And there's something that comes up just out of nowhere that just seems significant or that you really enjoyed what you were doing that day, write it down and then ask yourself, why did you enjoy doing this? And ask questions like, what did it feel like? Ask more right brain questions too. What did it feel like? And why did it feel that way? And I think those are things are going to, help you in a very profound way uh, in your journey to see this as an ongoing thing and not just little steps. This step, I'm learning technique. Everything's like a a puzzle piece with all kinds of broken pieces that are scattered. You're a whole, and finding that connectivity is important. So have a great week and always create from the heart. This audio series is part of my Navigating the Labyrinth of the Creative Mind Patreon endeavor. The site uniquely intermixes self-reflection and personal storytelling with exploratory mixed-media techniques and expressive approaches to art making, elevating the creative consciousness and guiding each person on his or her own path to discovering the creative spark that resides within. Check us out at www.patreon.com slash Lisa L. Sear and that's spelled C-Y-R.